So we're going to, we are going to talk about testimonies today. And like I said, today I'm going to share my testimony. But one of the things, I mean, let me ask this and kind of change it up a little bit. What is a testimony? How would you define a testimony? It could be worldly, it could be secular, it could be, you know, spiritually. Anyone, don't raise your hands all at once. Because I'll call on you. Oliver, what do you think about when you hear the word testimony? Okay, there's a story about how you got saved. Go ahead, Jackson. I like that life story. You stole my thunder, and I didn't even share my notes with you. Man, it is another way to think about it. And this is the this is the part as a lost person when I was lost. When I was lost, not I'm not lost now. I want to clarify that. When I was a lost person, you would hear the word testimony, and, and what brought to mind is courtrooms. You know, people. You know, they, you go into court. Someone's on trial, or you're a witness, or something. You swear on the Bible to tell the truth, nothing but the truth. So help you God, and you put your hand on the Bible and do that. And because you, but what you're doing is you're you're providing a testimony. And the reason they use the Bible is that it is the Word of God. So our court system, a lot of people don't realize that when you swear on the Bible, you're swearing before the Lord, you're going to tell the whole truth. Because you know God doesn't like a liar. But it comes to the mind that it is, you're telling what you saw, and how it applied what you saw in that particular situation. I was a, I was a witness once. I, had, I was prepared to give a testimony in a car accident. I wasn't involved. I saw the whole thing happen. Um, and so I was, I went to court and when I went before, before they even called it up, they, just right before they were going to call, they settled the case and they dismissed it. And then, so I went to court for nothing for that day, but I was prepared to give a testimony of what I saw happen. And that's, that's the powerful part of what we're going to do here is we're going to look at testimony. So let's go ahead and open up our Bibles. Uh, let's go into at, er, John. So we're going to continue for the rest of the summer. We're going to go through testimony. And the goal is I would love to hear your testimony. So we're going to hear others share their testimony. I'll do a little light teaching. Um, but I just want you guys to hear how God has worked in other people's lives. Um, inside of here because heaven forbid I wasn't worth it but God said otherwise so let's go to John 3 and one thing to remember about John inside of here is and especially in John 3 is the story of Nicodemus and Nicodemus was struggling with salvation how do I get born again No, no. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And he came to Jesus um, in the evening after everyone else. So he kind of came secretly because Nicodemus wanted to know more about what was God working, God was doing here through Jesus Christ. And so he was going through and he was coming over here and talking to him. And Nicodemus was struggling. How do we be born again? It's impossible for us to go back into our mother's womb and be born again. It's impossible. 
Because remember, I mean, Kendra's, you know, having another little baby. It's little. Look at us. We're we're full grown, or we're close to full grown. And then my mom's a small lady. It's, it's impossible. And that's what I'm getting at. It's imp- Yeah, it's impossible. And that's where he was struggling with. And so he, it's okay to ask that question. And so that's the story of Nicodemus, which is leading up to this. And so in, in verse um, John 3.22, it says, And these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. Wait a minute. It's supposed to be there. The word testify is supposed to be there. Um, and John was also baptized um, in Anon, and there was much water, and it came more baptized. Guys, I apologize. I have the wrong verse there. Um, let's jump over to Acts 13.22, so I do know it's there. I thought you were tearing your Bible for a second. It was a piece of paper. I saved those to make those ones. I need that one. I'm sorry. 1322. So, in my personal reading, and that's the nice thing about going through this, is I've been studying David. King David is specifically in 2 Samuel. Um inside of her and I've been going through here seeing how David was struggling and, and David if you know the history of David what are some things that we know about David anyone just come on you guys know this come on you guys know this you guys have been through this he slayed Goliath a little a young a young man like your age he, he went up grabbed some stones and killed him with a sling. He didn't throw it. He used the sling to launch him at him. He, he faced the giant. You know, we, we talk about that, facing the giant. So David was brave, and he was courageous to the Lord. But we also know David did some bad things. You know, David killed people. And, you know, he sent Uriah to his death because he wanted... Uriah's wife. So David killed people. So David's not David doesn't have a good testimony inside of her. And I've been I've been I've been reading through Second Samuel. Is David's trying to reconcile this? Because his testimony is corrupt. People were challenging him. Well, you sent Uriah to his death, or you did this, or you did that. You know. And people doubt his judgment because his testimony wasn't secure. Now, David had a heart for the Lord. Do not mistake that at all. But his testimony at times prevented people from seeing his heart for the Lord. So testimony is huge. And you can see here in verse 22 of Acts 13, and and when he had removed him, he raised him up to David to be their king to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. So what Jackson Larkham said about going through and having your life story for God having in your life is true. You want to have this. He's going to fulfill. 
And we have this promise as well with our testimony. We are able to fulfill this. So I just want to lay eyes on this. I want to talk biblically about that because I'm going to share my testimony, which is when you do share your testimony, you don't want to glorify sin. So I'm not going to get into details on the sin. Just to say sin is sin, right? Are we in agreement on that? Whether you lie or you cheat or you're disobedient or you steal, sin is sin. It doesn't matter. Heaven forbid if any of you guys have killed anyone in here. Anyone murder? Well, if you hate, John does tell us in First John, if you hate your brother, it is murder. So hate is like murder. So, so when I hear the word hate, you be very careful. Are you trying to kill someone with your heart? So just just kind of keep that in mind. But it all started on a rainy day in the Central Plains or Central State of California. May 23rd, 1972, I came into this world. How do you know it was raining? Are you just being dramatic? I'm being dramatic. <laughs> and then, central, central area of California, central, central region, at Beale Air Force Base. I'll be very specific. It was rainy. Then I came into the world and the ray of sunshine came. <laughs> I tried. No, it's not true. Uh, I don't know what the weather is like. Actually, no, in the central regions of California, it was probably hot and dry, and it's May. Okay, so you're 51. Good man. 51. 51, I guess. Yeah, I'm old. I don't even know why. Yes. So I was born on a military base. Uh, my parent, My mom wasn't in the Air Force yet, but my dad was. Um, and my dad was getting ready to get deployed to Vietnam. So there was an age of war going on. And so I was born, and my dad was going off. And then and my other two brothers, too. So I have two brothers. Um, my middle brother, younger than me, his name's Andy. Uh, he lives in Orlando, Florida. And then my youngest brother is Jeremy. And he lives up in Lee Summit um, right there. So all of us were born on Air Force bases. Um, different ones um, inside there. And we were military brats. And the word brat is actually applicable. Um, sometimes we had a sense of entitlement. We had a different lifestyle than a lot of other people because we were military brats. We traveled a lot inside of there. Yes, Oliver? Is your favorite color green? I flip-flop. I can't make up my mind. I'm double-minded in that. I shouldn't say that, but I, there's times I like blue and there's times I like green. It was a joke. Military green. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be here all week, folks. And so, so we were, we were growing up. So I've actually seen both oceans. I've actually was able to go to see the Pacific Ocean. So the military, there were some good things, but there's bad things that came out of it. Um, I've seen the Pacific and the Atlantic Oceans. Um, I've been to Canada many times um, when I was younger inside there. So, and we, I've gotten to travel to the United States because of the military. So it's, 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 there's some good things, but there's been bad things. And growing up in a military family, when both your parents are in the military, because my mom was in the Air Force as well, is they would have to do what's called temporary duty assignments, TDY. 
pain, they would have to go to places. So, you know, like I said, I mentioned right after I was born, my dad went to Vietnam. Now, he wasn't physically in Vietnam. He was stationed in Thailand, which is right next to Vietnam, where, which was in a war at the time I was born. So my dad was away, deployed for that. Then he would come back. And then uh, my mom joined the Air Force, and she would do things. And then my parents were always coming and going. It's tough. It, it, it is tough when your parents are coming and going. And it's not for just a week or two at a time. We're talking three months, six months, a year at a time um, inside there. So it, it, it happens. And so we would move, and then one of them would have to leave. And so you're without your mom or your dad for, you know, for extended period of times. And that happened a lot. Eventually... We settled, so I was in third grade, or I was getting ready to start third grade when we moved to Great Falls, Montana. Um, I consider Montana my home, even though I was born in California. Montana has a special part in my heart because I grew up, you know, as a youth, you know, as a, as a child, Montana had a special part. And there's great, there's good memories and there's bad memories there. And so we stayed at, the base was called Malmstrom Air Force Base. And again, the town's Great Falls, Montana. It's about in the middle of the state. Um, a lot of beauty up there, but there's also a lot of bad things up there too. Um, it's it's remote um, civilization as we know it. Like we can run into Kansas City and go see a big show, like when we go see Winter Jam or something. In Great Falls, that's not an option. So, and then also you're living under a strict. We lived on base, and so. Base had a very structured environment. Um, we had curfews, and if you didn't follow curfew, the police would pick you up, and your parents would have to come get you. You didn't get arrested. You got detained. I want to make sure you guys. So curfew, if you're out after 10 o'clock at night, unless you're coming home from your job, you're violating curfew. They had they had a zero-tolerance policy. Um so it was, it was a strict environment. Other things, like I got a speeding ticket for riding my bicycle too fast on base. I was flying, too. I was going a good 30 miles an hour. I was flying. Have you ever seen a, you ever seen a military Oh, yeah, many times. Um, they would put on air shows. So they, since, they, they had, since it was an Air Force base, it had an airport basically for the military jets so they would do every every year they would do a military show that bring in all these airplanes and the blue angels or the thunderbirds or the canadian snowbirds would come in do the air show it, there's good things and that, that was one of them I, and I enjoyed it that's one of the good things um and so they're living on a base so it was, it was a strict structure there and when my parents gone my brothers and i were kind of left to our own devices so we didn't have much supervision we did have supervision so don't don't get me wrong we weren't always unsupervised but once we got to a certain point we weren't supervised our parents were working all the time or they would be on alert status and what would happen on an air force base when they go on alert status is everything goes into lockdown mode everyone's wearing their combat fatigues or their BDUs. Um, they were, it, there was no business, there was no nonsense. It was, you had to go through it. It was very strict, like I mentioned before. 
And so they would be unavailable. It's like, what do you do? And, you know, being a, a young boy uh, with my brothers, we were bored. So we would find things to do, and it wasn't good things to do. They were very stupid things to do. Oh, I think I'm going to take this stick and start hitting rocks in the windows. Stupid stuff. Not realizing the consequences of, oh, i got to replace all those windows. That was a beating on my bottom, too, for that. So there's always there's a consequence for your actions. And it seemed like that the more I would do, the consequences didn't bother me. That's a picture of sin in, its, in, in full swing right there. What, you know, hey, if I do this, yeah, I know I'm going to get a beating, but I'm bored, so I'm going to do it. That's I made a decision, and it wasn't the right decision. Well, my brothers and I got a reputation around the base that we were, I'm going to use the word hellions, you know, little demons running the base, heathens. And we were running amok. We were just going through doing it. And people were trying to witness to my brothers and I. And there's one neighbor, because we lived on on the military base, we had duplexes. So one neighbor right next to us, uh, Joe and Chrissy Kleinschmidt. I do remember them. They had an impact in our lives. And their sons, Danny and Jason. Now, I do know Danny and Jason still live up in Great Falls. I don't know where Joe and Chrissy are. Um but I do want to say this on the public record that they tried to minister to my brothers and I um, and so what they did and I was at your age so 6th grade, you know I think 6th grade they dragged us to church and it was tough it was tough but we needed it and so I was exposed to God at that point um I knew of God, but I didn't know who God was. I, and I really didn't understand. But the Kleinschmitz would take my brothers and I on Sundays to this church, and it wasn't on base. So there was a base chapel, and I'll talk about that here in a second. But there was, they took us into town to a, an independent Baptist church. And I do remember this. Sadly, that church doesn't exist today. But I remember going there and meeting some other people that I went to school with. So this is, like I said, 6th and 7th grade. And the pastor, um, his one of his sons was in my same grade. And I didn't know that. And I actually kind of made fun of him at school. You know, the guy could kick my butt. He didn't. I would make fun of him for being a Bible believer. Even though I went to the same church, I persecuted inside of there and they were still ministering to me they were still loving on me no matter what they were still loving me and taking me to church well the seeds were getting planted here you know you'll hear me talk about this is I'm going to till the soil I'm going to turn the ground over I'm going to till the soil I'm going to prep the soil I'm going to plant seeds but like Paul said in Apollos you know God gives the increase. We'll water it. We'll do the labor, but God gets the increase. And that's what the pastor did, Mr. Montgomery. I don't remember his first name. He was tilling that soil. He was watering it. He was fertilizing it. He was tending to it. 
and the seed was planted in my heart. And I, I looked at it. They even gave me a Bible. And it's actually a King James Bible. I still have it at my house. I wish I could have found it in time. It looks rough. Um, and inside there, it is ancient. But in it, you know, I started saying, I love God. I wrote it in the front of it. I love God. God loved me. And so they had an impact. But that wasn't the day of salvation for me. <coughs> but it was the, the planting of the seed. And I'm very thankful for the Kleinschmitz for that. Well, going through it, becoming a teenager, um, I became more rebellious. I was able to pick up on different things. I'm in middle school or junior high is what they called it back then. You're socializing with different people. And you start seeing different cultures. And you start saying, hey, hey, I like this and like that. So you start associating with other people at school. And some of it not good. Some of it was good. And they just, you know, just more struggles with it. And I kind of forgot about the other stuff because I got caught up in the world. And I will say this. I thought I could be a break dancer. Break dancing was getting popular at the time I was your age. I could not break dance to save my life. I realized that at the same time, I was starting to get into rock and heavy metal music. And I, to this day, I still like it, but I also know it's not glorifying to God. That became my focus, is that, that rock and roll lifestyle. I wanted to be a rock star. And so my focus was on that. Exactly. Turns out to be Roadie Ray eventually, but we'll get to <laughs> but I wanted to, I wanted to do that. I wanted to play drums. My parents said no. I had to learn violin. I had to learn piano. I had to learn French horn. It didn't stick with me. Um, eventually, in eighth grade, I started learning how to play guitar. I wanted to be a rock star, so loved the music. And usually, there was a show on MTV called Headbangers Ball. It was all heavy metal music. <coughs> it came on 10 o'clock at night. Well, I wasn't out after curfew. My parents knew where I would be in front of MTV watching all these, all the music they hated. My parents hated it. But they also knew that I wasn't out getting in trouble. So they, they knew where I was. Um, and they had no doubt because I wouldn't miss an episode of watching music videos. So... That became my that became my God, unfortunately. And I say God in little G. I, I worship that that lifestyle. And so that just led into other things. Um, there's some good things along the line too. Um, at the same time when I was your same age, I got into the martial arts, started studying karate. Um, studied a style called Tung Sido, which is the same style that Chuck Norris first learned. You know, when you saw, so Chuck Norris. Yeah. Um, so there, that, that was, that was a positive influence. And my instructor, my parents used my instructor to get to me. So if I misbehave, I would have to say after my karate lessons and do extra. And let me tell you, I hated doing push-ups. I hated doing all the extra drills, bunny hops, kicking and punching drills. And my instructor would work me over for an extra 30, 45 minutes. 
that it was a tough lesson. But they, they were trying to instill discipline in me, and I didn't have it. But also, along the same time, I also got into Boy Scouts. Um, I was in Cub Scouts, took away from it, because, again, I was in that transition age, got into it. And eventually, I, I got done with Boy Scouts, and I became an Eagle Scout. So there are some good things that came out of my bad lifestyle. There are some good things that still stick with me to this day. And through that, through these other people, even though they weren't godly, they were still trying to minister to me um, in a worldly sense. But in Boy Scouts, though, it actually became where ministers started coming to me. So it was in high school. I quit going to that little church with the Kleinschmitz. I started going to the base chapel. My mom had just come back from her two-year assignment, and my mom's going, we need to go to church. It's like, okay. So on base, they had a chapel, and this is this is kind of kind of messed up. Is it's a it's just a building. You know, the church is the body. It's the people in it. I didn't understand that, but and on base on a chapel, you could have. We actually had eight different faiths or seven different faiths represented inside there. So they did have a Muslim, Ayman, or Ayman, Ayman, I think so. Whatever the pastor equivalent of a Muslim is, they had service on Friday nights. They had a rabbi, so they would have service on Saturday nights at the chapel. Then the Catholic um, priest, they had a military Catholic priest. All these guys were military. They had a Catholic priest and they would have their service at 9 a.m. And then at 10.30, they would have um, the other ones. And that's, they, they had different service times for different faiths. So I remember my mom, she would always go to the Episcopalian one, which is, you'll hear us sometimes joke about that. She would go to the 8 o'clock Episcopal service. And we, and we got to know the Episcopal Minister, his name was um, Eric. I forget his last name, um, but he had an impact with my mom and her walk um, inside there. Even though their doctrines a little bit different, and a little bit, like I'm being nice, but but my mom would go to that, and then it would be like Bible fellowship time at nine o'clock while the Catholic Church is going on, and they're getting going through their service. And then at ten thirty, it would switch. The Catholic would have their um, Bible fellowship or Sunday school and then the, the whatever the main congregation so that's where it gets interesting you could have an Episcopal priest minister service we had Southern Baptists we had um, we had Methodists we had like four different um, pastors and ministers that would do the rotation on Sunday so you don't know who was going to go through it so it, it kind of gave you a big mess you got a lot of different things there are some good messages, um, but these men were trying to minister to me as well. They tried. Um, they were very patient with me, and they put up with a lot of my garbage. Um, but they tried. You know, Thomas Pfaff is the one that really spent a lot of time with me, and he tried. And he was the Methodist preacher. Um, he still loved on me. You know, and I don't know where he's at either um, after he left the military. But again, God put some people in my life to help minister and help that seed grow. Well, we left Montana and moved here. Uh, my parents divorced because of the military. 
Um, my parents grew apart because of their careers. So my dad and I were at odds. Um, it wasn't probably a good thing for me to stay in Great Falls. Um, I was I was borderline. If I would have stayed there, I'd probably either be dead or in jail. I needed to get out of there because that's how fast I was going down that road. And so I moved here to Kansas City, and it wasn't it was a struggle um, inside of here. Um, my mom and I settled up north of the river um, off of Berry Road. And my mom found another church. I didn't care to go with him. My mom kind of left me alone and just let me be. Um, as long as I wasn't in trouble, she just kind of let me do my own thing. I'm in high school at this time, finishing up. And, you know, I finished up my Eagle Scout and continued on with that. Um, and then I graduated high school. And then I went off to college. Well, college, I wasn't ready for college. It's okay to say that. Um, I wasn't ready to go away to college at that point. I probably should have taken it a little bit easier. So I went away to college, and I will say I was very naive of the world. Even though I was in the world, I was really didn't know what was going on in the world. From Because I went to school in Ohio wasn't a good fit and I struggled um, with life and sin Ohio Northern University College. yeah yeah Ohio Northern out in Ada Ohio right outside Lima yep <laughs> it's between Toledo and Cleveland right in between I've never seen any lots of signs. Yeah, Lima. Lima's right off ISA. Yeah. Lima, Lima. Yeah. But out in the middle, but out in the middle of the cornfield was this liberal arts school. I struggled out there. Wasn't ready for it. Um, emotionally mature enough. I was just wasn't ready. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I came back and my mom says, you gotta get a job. It's like, okay, I got a job. Well, my sin lifestyle caught up with me some more. Um, ended up getting in a fight one night, and I ended up breaking my ankle. So I got metal plate and seven screws because of my sin lifestyle. I have a physical reminder of being in sin, of what can do. Kind of like Jacob when he wrestled with God, God made him lame. Same thing, I was wrestling with sin um, and living in that lifestyle, and I broke my ankle. So I went to school. Um, I was thinking about going into the military um, until I broke my ankle and they put the metal plate in there and that disqualified me from military service. So that door got shut, and that's okay. Went up to school, realized my sin lifestyle, even with a broken leg, just kept on escalating. And I ended up coming back home. Um, basically, I got kicked out of school because of my sin and I, I had to deal with that and my mom as gracious as she was it's like hey if you're you're not going to school you got to be working so here I am at 20 years old you know as a young man just trying to go through it's like okay so I started getting jobs and I landed at a place um, eventually I did security guard 
you know, uh, that was a joke, but it, whatever, it paid, it paid the bills for me at the time. That wasn't my thing. And eventually I landed at this one job that was really cool. It was working for Montgomery Wards. And a lot of you guys don't even know what Montgomery Wards, it was a, it was a retail chain, kind of like Walmart. A little bit nicer than Walmart. A lot nicer than Walmart. But it, it was in that I started working there and what I was doing, I was assembling everything. I was putting everything together. So if you bought a bicycle, so you go in there, you buy a, your parents buy you a new bicycle. Do you want to assemble it or do you want to, so for a, a fee, I would put your bicycle together, make sure it was set up correctly and adjust it for you or your parents bought a new riding mower for the mow the yard, I would assemble and put it together and help load it onto the vehicle or in the trailer for them or exercise equipment, furniture, whatever. I was just building stuff and I was loving it. It was the greatest job. Um, but eventually all things, all good things come to an end. Uh, I was let go of that job and I started driving, delivering pizzas. And this, this, how about this, this, this is tie in here in a second. So, I started delivering pizza as well. That was, I will say this. You should work fast food service once in your life. You'll have appreciation of those people that are making your food. So, um, so I left, I left that. I went to another company and so I started driving trucks for a living and started out at this company called Airborne Express. Met some people there. And at that point, I started meeting other believers. I didn't understand it. I still mocked them. Um, I didn't. I didn't put them through tribulations, but I made fun of them. But God, but they still loved me. They still loved on me. They saw something in me, but I don't know what it was. I didn't see it in myself, but they still loved me. So I worked there for many years, um, and it got to a point where. It was time for me to move on, and I kept those relationships. Because you hear us talk about it, it's always about relationships. And so this one, um, one of my bosses, his name was Will King, he said, hey, Ray, why don't you come to church with me? He's like, okay, I need something. You know, my life was a mess. Um, I was in sin, a lot of sin. And I went to church. So the seed was getting nurtured again. That, that seed that was planted back in Great Falls was starting to get nurtured again. So they were, they were starting to water again. It was, it wasn't barren soil, but it was, it was getting watered. So they were taking care of that. And it's like, now this isn't for me. But again, there was watering. A couple years later, another gentleman, another godly man in my life, his name is um, Brian Good, and I'm not sure where he's at anymore. Um, invited me to another church, one that is more affiliated. So these two churches I went to up north of the river. So this is, this is again here in Kansas City. River lives up by the airport. Um, they were independent Baptists. They would say they're non-denominational, but it was, they had an independent Baptist feel to it. Um, so that, that, so I was getting introduced to independent Baptists. And then I went to another one. The one that Brian Good took me to is Antioch Baptist Church in Gladstone. Again, another independent Baptist church. And it wasn't my thing either. For whatever, I don't want to go into details of why I didn't want to stay at that church. But again, the seed was getting watered. 
it was getting nutrients. I gave it a try. wasn't my thing. Well, I started doing my own thing, and I started to realize I'm in my own sin. I realize I'm living in all these sins. There's got to be more to life than what I'm doing here. There's got to be more than living for the weekend and doing whatever I wanted to do. Well, I started working for my friend, Bill, Bill Foreman. Um, Bill and I had a casual acquaintance. Bill actually remembers me because when I was working at Airborne Express, he was working for a company called RPS, and we were at the same stops. We had the same route area, and we would always talk. Hey, how's it going? You know, friendly chit-chat. And and Bill knew my reputation. You know, my reputation got around. And he remembered me. Well, I went to go work for him. And he goes, is Ray still that same guy? And, and my friend that was connecting us is like, no, he's not that same guy. He's still crazy. He's still, but I don't have a mohawk. I don't have long hair. I don't have earrings anymore. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't that same guy, but I was still crazy in sin. I would still just do things. And Bill took a chance on me, so I started working for Bill. Well, Bill was also going through that transition this time. He just accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior and his wife. Um, so Bill started inviting me over to his house. He goes, Bray, when you're over here at my house, no cussing, you know, no, no foul language. And it's like, you know, that's, that, that's fair. And so they invited me in their home. Um, they took care of me. They loved on me. And all I had to do was just not do the crazy stuff. It actually gave me peace. So Bill and I would just hang out, and we would play video games. We got into motocross. Physically, we bought four-wheelers. Um, we were racing each other. We had land to race on. So we had ATVs, and we were racing each other. And when we were outside racing, we were racing each other on video games. So it, it took me out of some of that sin lifestyle. And at that time, God used Bill and said, hey, why don't you come to church with us? And I said, uh, I, I gave an excuse. Bill didn't quit. Next time, a couple weeks later, Bill was, hey, why don't you come to church with us and then we'll go out to eat afterwards. Eh, eh, maybe not. And then... He just he just didn't quit. Well, God used, started using his wife Tiffany and their three daughters. And we've got to remember these these are young, these are all young ladies. They're young ladies now, but when they were in their life, they were in little lambs. They were in little shepherds, or they were in armor bearers age group and, and mighty warriors. These three cute girls came to me and go, Ray, Uncle Ray, Ray, come to church with us. At that point, I couldn't say no. I couldn't say no. So I went to church. And you know what? It was different than the other times I went to church. Um, so I went to this church north of the river. They had a rock band. Their contemporary praise music. They got up there. I was like, I like this. So it was contemporary music. Um, in fact, the song that resonates to this day, the way they played it was Blessed Be Your Name. That started having an impact in my life. 
and they had flexible services. So I didn't have to get up at 9 o'clock in the morning. I didn't have to put on my Sunday best. They just accepted me for who I am. I come in shorts, T-shirts, and a ball cap. And they were fine with it. They love God and they love people. And it's like, man, they accept me for who I am. I'm, and, and believe me, I was a tough person to love. And Bill and Tiffany and the girls, they loved on me. The church loved on me. And it was an impact. So I started going to the church regularly. It's like, hey, Bill, what service are we going to? Hey, Bill. Well, you know, what's this? You know, and so Bill was just leading me along. Hey, he goes, Ray, I don't know, but you need to talk to so-and-so. So Bill and I were just it's like, okay, there, there's, there's a, the seed is growing. It's, it's breaking through the ground. And I get to that point and I started participating. I'm doing things on my own at the church. Hey, I want to be part of the praise band because I used to play guitar. Hey, I can do AV stuff. They were kind of like, eh, let's, let's wait a minute. I was like, okay. I, I didn't understand at the time. And I was just like, okay. And then finally, in April 2005, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't know the exact date. I just know the season. I know it was April. It was right before tax season, tax deadline. I went on a retreat. It was still cold. Um, we were at this retreat. And I just broke down. I was like, I need God. I needed Jesus Christ in my life. And when I was done with that prayer, and I prayed. You know, I'm a big guy. But I was light. I could walk on top of anything. I felt like the weight of the world was off my shoulders. And... I just started growing and started reading that. Shortly thereafter, um, I was starting to get strength and encouragement. And, you know, I made a decision. I asked Brianna out on a date. So, you know, after, it was shortly thereafter. So I got saved. A few months later, I got baptized. And my life started changing. And Brianna and I started dating. Um, that was a challenge. Not because of her, but because of me. Because I am a babe in Christ. And here I am trying to go into a new relationship. But through Brina's persistence is a good word. Brina started showing me things in the Bible that I was like, what? Because the Bible I was reading didn't have a lot of that. It was an NIV Bible. So you can get saved reading an NIV but you can't actually get the meat out of the Bible unless it's a KJV. And so Brandon started showing me, hey, this is what my Bible says. And it's like, oh, wow, I need to go to that church. I need to learn how to read my Bible. So Brandon and I, you know, at that point, we're still dating. We're engaged. And I started going to the church that Jeff Trude was an associate pastor at. And so I was going down to Belton, going to this church, and I started to learn more. But I also knew that, hey, this church isn't right for me. Not anything against that. They, they, it was, I met a lot of good people, people that I still love on today. Um, but it wasn't right. And Brandon and I, like, by this time, Brandon and I are married. It's like, I need something more. 
So after Brandon and I got married in the summer of 2007, we walked through these doors over here. The parking lot was gravel, believe it or not. We didn't have that big parking lot. We didn't, it was, it was probably, it was not big at all. We didn't have any of this. Actually, all this field, the modulars weren't here. They just kept the grass really tall. We always had snakes in the sanctuary because the grass was so tall. But that's when we just started coming here. And again, people loved on us. So many people. Um, some gone, sadly. Some are absent and present with the Lord. We, we rejoice for that. And we have the others that are here now that continue to love. And so this is, again, part of my testimony of what God's done. And you know, going through discipleship, going through uh, DU2, you know, going through HBI has really taught me how to read the Bible and how to grow and be that person. So that's just my testimony on what God can do in your life. And so as we go through here, I know we got to get going in here. So with that being said, uh, if you have any questions, I'll share and talk about my testimony. Again, I'm not going to glorify my sin other than sin is sin, and I was caught up in it. Okay, and just kind of think about your testament, what God has done in your life, and what you can do for God if you let God come through to and let God lead your life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll be um, we'll get into the sanctuary. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and say thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything you do in our lives, Lord. As we transition to the service, uh, please be with Pastor Brian, be with. Um, uh, Doug Howie and all that's going to happen today, Lord. We lift this all up to you in your great and holy name. Amen.